folks welcome back to the norwood noise podcast we have finally reconvened here on wednesday november 29th kind of going with this every other week thing just with some crazy travel schedules and things like that um but we're back here we're we're getting re-looped in um just after the the mtes have kind of wrapped up um and then now we're going to get going with you know those interconference battles you know acc sec is a new one this year big east big 12 and what it's, it's got to be its third year now right graham uh no, this has been going on for a while. I'm pretty sure. A little bit now. Okay, yeah. so I'm just I'm just losing my losing my mind there. Um, but anyway, so we're gonna get into all that. Um, and then of course some other things to look forward to, some storylines to follow, things like that. But of course myself, Evan Shibble, alongside Graham Griffith. Um, and Graham, really the real reason that we had to wait. Um, forget the big the busy schedule. The real reason we had to wait was Spotify Wrapped came out today. So Graham, I want to hear. You know, are you happy with your Wrapped? You know, how do you feel about um, the results of, of this year's listening for you. Uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty telling. Um, <laughs> there, you know, one thing I was not surprised about Dominic Fike being my most streamed artist. Um, yeah, of course. I was really excited to see him in concert this year. Um, so there was a lot of um, listening to him. And I did like this year that with your top five artists, you could see when you listen to them the most. Yeah, I agree. And it was funny because. July was when I was most streamed Dominic Fight because the concert was in early August, and then yeah, I was I was the same way with uh, with Shaky Graves for me it was my top artist and that was a that was a June show for me and I that was when I most listened to him as well. Yeah, and um, I yeah I, I like that. I feel like they could always do more. Like every year, like they they introduce something new. Like a few years ago, it was like the genres and whatever. But this year, I liked the um. The your listening like location similarity. Yeah, I did too. But out of like the however many people I've shown like have shown me theirs, all but uh-huh. one of them have been in California, like uh, like in the Bay Area. So I'm like, really interesting. I guess, I guess we just where was all yours? The same Bay Area. Same. Yeah. Hmm. So so we all need to move to the Bay Area is what you're saying. Yeah, Warriors. <laughs> um. Mine was mine was Bozeman, Montana, which I thought was really interesting. Wow, I mean that's a lot of like long wheat sticks in your mouth and yeah, exactly, boots. totally. Have you seen oh, this? Is a we're already sidetracked. Uh, have you seen any news? I just learned about this Montana Montana State college football rivalry, like that they play at the end of the year every year, just like every other college football rivalry. But it just it looks like a sick environment, like snow and they're playing for this big trophy and they're usually playing like to get into the the tournament or whatever or the playoff that they have uh in division two like it looks like a looks like a bucket lister yeah i mean that has to just be like 
one of those things that won't ever get covered, won't you won't no. ever see anything. But like if you're there, like it has to be the thing to do. Like sporting for event, sure. Sporting it, event wise. Yeah, I think it's sporting event of the year. It's gotta be. I mean, think in Montana, you're thinking the two big universities and that's, you know, the Grizz and the was the Bobcats over there at state. Yeah. Um and yeah, I mean I think I would assume football up in that area would probably trump basketball. Um, especially with those conditions. So anyways, we're already sidetracked. Let's get, let's get back onto, uh, onto, onto the things that we, uh, you know, are more pressing and we really need to talk about. Let's talk about Maui. Um, so we came in with the expectation that it was going to be one of our best ones yet. It was the best field statistically, um, that we had had in the history of the Maui tournament. Um, with, I think, I mean, call it how you may, I would say technically, we had six ranked teams. Technically, UCLA did fall out right before the tournament started, but I don't really know why. It wasn't because they took a loss. I just think they, you know, some other teams jumped in. Um, <clears throat> James Madison. <clears throat> um, but uh, but anyway, so UCLA fell out right at the end. But either way, five ranked teams uh, and four of them were in the top ten, which is you just you know, and you also had the one, two, and four team in the country, um, which is now one, two, and five with some reshuffling. So. Really, obviously, I think everyone was super excited about this tournament. Um, some of the, I mean, the games were unbelievable. Marquette UCLA was a tight one. Um, Gonzaga Purdue the first night was a tight one. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you got the, you know, a really solid game out of Tennessee and Purdue in the second round. Um, and then obviously Kansas Marquette. I mean, Marquette rolled over the Jayhawks, uh, and then you got a great final with Purdue and Marquette. Um, Marquette really showing that they belong. I, so. We are kind of a Big East focused podcast, so I'm gonna say that, you know, we all know Purdue is gonna be great and they're gonna be solid, and obviously this is further cementing that with how they played. We'll get to Kansas here in a minute and Tennessee as well, but I I really truly believe that the story, the headline of the tournament coming out of it was how good Marquette looked. I mean, they they made the number one team in the country. Granted, I'm not gonna lie here, I don't really think Kansas was ever the number one team in the country, especially with depth depth issues that they've got. Um, but either way, that's how it was on paper. And they made the number one team in the country look like they couldn't even compete. Um, and it was that typical shock smart style, you know, rush to the rush to the defender type play. Um, so, Graham, what what stood out to you about Marquette last year um, that you feel is held consistent this year um, amidst kind of, you know, the, the early season games from them? Yeah, um, with, with Marquette uh, last year, like, one thing that was um, always talked about is how cohesive they were. Like they, you know, they play eight, nine guys that everyone knew their role, and almost every night it felt like they were gonna, you were getting the same thing. Like Tyler Kolek's gonna, you know, be the head of the snake. He's gonna, you know, organize this team. They have guys that, you know, are there to play great defense and bring energy. They all buy into Shaka Smart's system, um, and. This year, you know, you lose uh, Omax and you replace him in the starting lineup with Joplin, who already was getting great minutes last year. And then you're just bringing in, like, like a a new freshman and you're giving some of the younger guys last year, like Ross, Jones, and Gold, some more burn that they already had last season. Yeah. So it's pretty much like the same team. And I yeah. think it's man gold gold stepped in against Kansas and hit two back to back like dagger threes and it was kind of like I think it was like end of the first half and that was really when Marquette like started to separate yeah uh, the 
I just think it's amazing. Um, you know, the few like really good teams a year in the last few years that bring back everyone in a day and age mm-hmm. of like, you know, Euro basketball is the best it's ever been and um with the G League opportunities, transfer portal, NIL, like it's amazing that there's like a team out there that won the Big East regular season title, won the Big East tournament, and if it I mean, hypotheticals, you know, everyone's undefeated in hypotheticals, but if you don't run into Izzo in March, like maybe something else happens. Like that was an unbelievable team last year and to For sure come back with pretty much the same amount of guys. Um and, you know, maybe there was gonna be a little bit of like a honeymoon phase that they didn't start off strong, but being in this caliber of a tournament and you're three points away, um, from beating, yeah, from winning the whole thing. From being an outstanding Purdue team. I mean, that's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and also, Igadoro is, he is legit. Um, my, I, I, I already circled the calendars right now for that Marquette Creighton matchup. Oh, man, big man heaven there between those two guys. He, and he really, I mean, he handled Hunter Dickinson. He kept Dickinson down to 13 points uh, and then put up 21 for himself. I mean, just. A great matchup there. Igadora was was so good, and yeah, I just I, I don't see how. I mean, if Marquette continues to run kind of that matchup, whatever that that diamond like zone that they kind of come out of, like three quarter court press uh, zone there, you come out in that against you know any team that's not athletic like a Kentucky type. Um, you know, I think you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of success early on. Uh, defensively and kind of tiring a team out. And then even when they drop back into that zone or even obviously man to man is, you know, they're, they're really good at that as well. But I, I was most impressive when, most impressed when they kind of dropped back into their zone defenses and were really able to just take up passing lanes. that are really long. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just the typical shock of smart ball, um, you know, rush to the ball, super aggressive. Um, I could do without the slapping the floor, but outside of that, that's really my only complaint with Marquette. They're uh they're they're a force to be reckoned with this year, man. They're the, you know, I the and I mean them and Marquette or excuse me them and UConn as well. The the top the top third of the Big East this year is so so good. Can cannot wait to watch those guys kind of all play each other. So, um, but yeah, so Marquette gr- great work. Obviously, good good on Purdue as well for taking care of business and and you know becoming kind of a unanimous number one there. Um, Kansas again. Uh, they actually, I don't know if you saw this, survived a little bit of a scare last night against Eastern Illinois. Um, I I went to bed. Uh, it was, I think they were up 15 or so at halftime. So I was like, ah, it's, you know, it's Eastern Illinois. We're good. I woke up and saw they only won by, I think, six or seven. Um, so it was, a, it was a tight one. Uh, yeah, they won by, won by eight last night. So, um, you know, a little bit of a scare there. But, uh, but we got Kansas-UConn uh, this Friday, which I think is going to be a, a great matchup. Um, and I think a needed loss for the Jayhawks. You you kind of want to get off that number one seed there early on, um, and then Tennessee as well um, had had to come. I mean, one of those top four teams had to come out one and two. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it was Tennessee. Um, good on the Jayhawks for turning around and you know within I think it was fourteen or sixteen hours that they had to prep for that game because they played the last game of the night against Marquette and they played the first game of the day uh, against Tennessee there. So. To have to turn around and play a team of that level is is tough and good on the Jayhawks for taking care of you know business there in Tennessee. I don't think I would be too concerned. Um, I think the SEC race is going to be really interesting there. You got Tennessee, you got A and M. 
Uh, Kentucky as well, of course, is going to be in there. So um, definitely a lot of you know really interesting uh, storylines to follow in the SEC as well. Um, but overall, great Maui tournament. Graham, you 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 agree, right? That's the got to be your your favorite um, MTE out there, right? Non non PK eighty PK eighty five level. Yeah, I I always love it because um, you're going out you know to Hawaii and you know it's just like a different vibe. And then I think it's always amazing when you you know you can stack um, the great teams. Because, you know, they're always trying to go with the schools that have big brands. Um, and I think it's always just, a, you know, a perfect mix when those schools that have big brands also end up being some of the best teams in the country. Um, right. Good on Chaminade, you know, for competing this year. <laughs> Showing up, competing. Uh, um, collecting the check. Uh, I think next year they cover. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like where you're at on that one. Um Okay, so Battle for Atlantis has kind of solidified itself as the um, kind of I would say probably clear number two uh, in the in the MTE early season category, um, playing the same size bracket as Maui, which is always fun. Um, I didn't really know what to think about this one going in. I'm not gonna lie. Obviously, I think North Carolina was probably the favorite, um, but again, Nova, you didn't really know what you're gonna get from them. I liked that matchup against Texas Tech. Um, Michigan, you know, some weird games early. It looks like that win over St. John's is not as exciting as some people were saying. But again, give St. John's some time. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then you got Memphis, who actually went on a tear through this bracket, getting all the way to the title game, knocking off Michigan that first round, and then a, a good Arkansas team, which now has a couple losses after that loss at home as well to UNC Greensboro. Um, and then they get to the title game. Nova takes care of North Carolina in a, in a rematch of that, what was that, the 18 title game. Uh, Jenkins for the championship, of course. Um, Villanova beats North Carolina overtime. Again, wouldn't be too concerned if I was North Carolina. Um, but anyway, so we get into the final. We got Villanova and Memphis. And Villanova from the jump, uh, 49-16, I think it was at halftime. So uh, just absolutely boat race the Tigers. Sure, maybe some fatigue. You know, who knows? Um, but interested to see kind of what the future holds for Memphis, um, and really the, the, you know, the American athletic conference as well. I think the kind of fight between them and FAU, um, for that conference title this year is going to be super fun to watch. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, good on Villanova for, you know, taking care of business and maybe playing a slightly weaker opponent than expected in that title game and being able to, you know, get a, get a win and obviously stay the ship a little bit after that loss to Penn last week. Um, but Graham, I want to talk about North Carolina because I think that's kind of the big highlight here. Um, not that Villanova is a bad team or anything to be ashamed of. Um, you know, but you struggled a little bit with you and I in that first game, they ended up taking care of business in the second half. Uh, but you struggle a little bit there. You take the loss to Villanova. Um, and, and now you got Tennessee, uh, I think it's tomorrow night, right? Am I got that right? Um, or no, that's, that's tonight Tonight. actually. So yeah, yeah, Tennessee. You're, you got Tennessee coming into the house. So what what do you expect um, from North Carolina moving forward? I mean, you got UConn next week as well. Um, wow, UConn's playing at Kansas and at UNC. Whoa, I didn't even get that far. Um, and then you got Oklahoma down the road, Kentucky as well. Like, just a lot of big games coming up for the Tar Heels. Um, so what do you – let me put it this way. What do you think a good record is for Tennessee over the next – or excuse me, for North Carolina over the next five? So you got – Home against Tennessee, home against Florida State, home against UConn, 
neutral against Kentucky, and then uh, a home against Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, talk about a br- or sorry, that's a that's a neutral against Oklahoma. Apologies. Talk about a, a brutal stretch. I mean, you know, you just talked about Tennessee, Yukon, Kentucky, Oklahoma, like all unbelievable teams. Um, yeah. to start Actually, the wait, correction. I this is I need a little more research on this. So Yukon. Kentucky and Oklahoma are all neutrals, so it's just the home against Tennessee and then Florida State, and then it's all neutral. Yeah, and Anyways, I, I points, think that point still stands. I think that just adds to it even more that you know you won't have the home crowd behind you, um, right. and then you know not to be like uh, underestimated, um, they're going to play a solid Florida State team uh, right yes, in between absolutely. that because of like, you know, that weird ACC like you have like one conference game in the middle. Yeah. Um, like that that's not a game to be um uh like underestimated you know yeah right and i think that there's going to be a lot of pressure and attention on north carolina after last season was such a letdown that you then you're like okay you know like we got our head on straight now we have to you know go back and then you just get walloped you know by some of these amazing games that they have to play I think that win against Arkansas was massive, um, because you know that Villanova game. You know that's you know it's a classic of the year right now. You only losing by two points on neutral site, like that's a big game. Um, but realistically, like it's going to be really tough to you know scrape together some wins here. Um, and I think over the next uh, five games, like I think if you go above five hundred, you know it's a win. Just because I, I completely agree. Like. Like Oklahoma's undefeated, they probably won't be because I I presume that um, you know Providence is probably going to go in there, but you know Oklahoma, you know you're gonna have a good shout against. And Florida State, you're gonna have a good shout against. Kentucky looks really really good right now. UConn is looking really really good right now, and mm-hmm. that UConn game's kind of bit of a variable game because they might go to Allen Fieldhouse and destroy, and you know they're coming yeah. out for blood like looking like the number one team in the country um or you know they don't play well and you're gonna get a hungry UConn team um right so in the garden too which yeah. is which is basically UConn west like right. you know it's it's a very hefty UConn crowd there yeah I mean they, they have a tough stretch for sure um yeah but this is you know kind of what you need for uh um you know, this early in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, Villanova, we'll see. I mean, definitely have stayed the ship, um, and we'll see how how they, you know, kind of look moving forward. Um, Big East play, obviously, on the horizon. Um, and uh, they got another Big Five game tonight against St. Joe's. Um, you go at K-State, you get a home against UCLA, um, and then you get into Big East play. So um, definitely interested to see what we get out of Villanova. But anyway, let's let's talk one more kind of big MTE I want to focus on. Obviously, we mentioned Oklahoma undefeated. They won their MTE out in California. Um, and then at, at FAU, huge response, I think, over this past weekend. I think they're big winners from the weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, all the talk all offseason is, gosh, feel like we got FAU too high. You know, are we overrating this team? You know, was it just a freak run in the NCAA tournament? Whatever. Um those kinds of things. And I understand all that. I understand the skepticism. Um, and, and we've also seen, too, 
you know, obviously we see with Marquette, you return a lot of your, you know, main starters from the year before, things can go well. But we've also seen where that can't, sometimes can't go well, um, you know, returning a lot of guys, and sometimes it's a little rockier in that second year after a good season. So um, definitely a lot of Florida Atlantic skeptics out there. And then you go and lose at home to Bryant. Bryant, solid team, you know, nothing to be ashamed of there. Um, you know, or sorry, not not nothing to be ashamed of, but obviously a, a good a good squad there for Bryant. But I mean, that's a really, really bad loss for Florida Atlantic. And of course, as expected, all the haters, you know, jumped on straight on to, uh, you know, the Florida Atlantic. Oh, well, this is why we rated them too high and blah, 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 blah. Um, so they, they go out and kind of silence the haters. Uh, they go get a win against, I think, a good Butler team um, in the first round. And then you got Texas A&M, which top 25 team, you know, one of the SEC favorites this year. Um, and you go and beat them by seven pretty handily and then just absolutely roll Virginia Tech in the final, uh, winning by 34 there in that title game. So really happy for the Owls. Um, talk about a non-con uh, schedule. Holy cow, have you seen FAU's, um, the, who they've got coming up here? I mean, it is absolutely stacked. you got a good Liberty team tomorrow. Um, they're undefeated as well, another mid-major to keep an eye on. Then you go uh, at Illinois, or well, at Madison Square Garden against Illinois. Um, so tough match there. And then you've got Arizona um, uh, in Vegas, I think that is, if I'm remembering right. Yeah. So and then you got uh, you got Florida, or you got Arizona down in Vegas. Um, you got the Bonnies as well in there, who are no slouch. Um, so just a lot of uh, oh, and then Dunk City, of course, or Lob City. Never, never forget. Um, got Florida Gulf Coast. But anyways, point being, you know, you got a couple big games here coming up for Florida Atlantic. But really, I think they've done well to silence the haters. I think if you can win, if you pick off, you know, if if you go through the Liberty Illinois. And Arizona game, assuming they take care of business elsewhere. If you get if you get two wins out of those three, I think you're great. Um, you know, you're top ten caliber again. I think if you only get one, then you're probably that ten to twenty range. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, keep an eye on the Owls. Um, and I think they had a really a really good holiday weekend there for them down in uh, down in Orlando. The ESPN events. Any big any early season takes for you at a Florida Atlantic? I think they're just such an interesting case because you want to rate them so highly um, after last season. Um, mm-hmm. And with those mid-majors, you're always like, okay, like, yeah, you were good last year and, like, you'll probably be good this year, but, like, we'd like to see you prove it. Um, Absolutely. And I think that win against Bryant was definitely just a hiccup. I mean, that loss against Bryant was definitely just a hiccup because you go on and you beat Texas A&M, who's been really good. You beat Butler, who's looked solid. Um, and Virginia Tech's, you know, regardless of how poor they might be, um, that's still a um, that's an AC. They're they're gonna beat you know North power, Carolina or Miami this year. Yeah, like, like that's it's, still it's gonna power, happen. That's still a power six team. Um, but in terms of like the rest of their non conference schedule, they have a bunch of games that are like against great programs. Like Liberty is a good program. Charleston is becoming one of the better mid-major programs. Oh, I missed a Charleston on the list as well. You're right. St. Bonaventure, one of the better programs. And then yeah. mixed in, you have Arizona and Charleston. Like, that's going to be a really tough stretch for them. Um, and in this day and age where, you know, the Big 12, Big East, Big 10 are sending so many teams to the tournament, 
Like, I don't know if they can afford to have bad losses, but if you are able to, you know, go in, you know, and knock off Arizona or you knock off Illinois, you take care of business against some of these, like, quad two wins they're going to end up being, like, they'll be in a great spot for the rest of their season. No, I agree. I think that's definitely a... The non-con is, especially for these mid-major teams, just so fun to watch because you really, really have to kind of keep an eye on, you know, going forward and, and you know, how it's going to affect the rest of the season. So, anywho, all right. So, we said, last year we said goodbye to the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, we moved to a new era with the ACC-SEC Challenge, um, headlined by last night's matchup, uh, Miami at Kentucky. Kentucky rolled the Hurricanes, uh, went in 95-73 to 73 in the opening night of the ACC-SEC Challenge. Um, Graham, you're going to get so- go see Kentucky uh, this weekend, you said. You said they got Greensboro? Um, let me double check. It's one of the UNC's. Uh, okay. Maybe a Wilmington? Maybe a, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't I know. Think it's <laughs> Wil- yes, it's Wilmington. It's Wilmington. Wilmington, okay. I was going to say Greensboro would be interesting since they just beat Arkansas, but um, – but yeah, UNC Wilmington. So you'll go get to see the Wildcats in person this weekend. So we'll get some more takes from you next week on the Wildcats. Uh, but regarding Miami, they go and win their MTE down in Florida or somewhere. I don't even really remember. Um, but I know they they took care of business there uh, in their MTE. So are you concerned about the Hurricanes? Or do you think this says more about Kentucky and their ability uh, moving forward? Um. I think that was more about Kentucky than it is about Miami because they just looked really, really good. Um, their only loss being Kansas right now. Um, Miami's a really talented team. I just think it like wasn't their night. Um, but it is amazing that wasn't their night ended up being a Kentucky win by 20. Um, right. And Kentucky, you know, they're set up really well for the rest of their season going into SEC play because – their remaining non-conference games is versus North Carolina, who we already talked about is sandwiched in a really tough stretch. And then you have Penn, UNC Wilmington, and Louisville and Illinois State. And then Louisville, Louisville, oh, and you and you open Louisville might be the easiest game out of all of those. Yeah, and you you open your your SEC play with um. You know, like a, an at-Florida team that's been a little shaky recently, and Missouri isn't mm-hmm. like a t- like an insane team. And then you do have to go yeah. to Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and that's when the gauntlet starts. But I feel like they have time to really cement themselves um, and hopefully get back to the Kentucky that, you know, we're used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could look up mid-January, and Kentucky might only have still one, maybe two losses. Right, um, and then obviously in the middle of February they play Gonzaga just because scheduling is fun. Right, yeah, because why not? Yeah. Right, let's go out to is that one? Is it in Washington this year? Do you know, or, or are they? Um, or is I'm it, or is it checking, neutral? I I'm remember. checking right now. Uh, okay, it's in Lexington. It's in Lex. Okay, well, that'll be nice. They don't they don't have to do much travel there, but um, anywho. So wait, hold on. Am I losing my? Didn't they play like? In like December last year, did they move that to like February now? Yeah, it's February tenth. I could have swore okay. it was in like early December, but I could. Yeah, I feel like because they played in, at like Spokane Arena a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was last year. I, I can't remember. Um. Anyways, so 
Um, that was the big game in the first night of the ACC-SEC. The other one that was kind of worth noting, um, Mississippi State coming in, you know, 6-0 team. Um, Tolu Smith, their, their All-American, did not play. Um, so that's that's a tough start. Um, but they do lose to Georgia Tech, which Georgia Tech looks like they're going to be pretty middle of the road to bottom tier team. So that's a tough loss for Mississippi State. I think if you're really trying to cement yourself as this contender, not you know, night in, night out, you know, really as a contender for the SEC, can't be taking losses like that to Georgia Tech. So that's a tough one there. And then the other one, uh, Clemson and Alabama. Clemson, Alabama just don't really know what to expect yet this year from them. Um, I think they're kind of going to be a fringe top 25 team most of the year. Clemson, I think, could be the same thing. Um, Clemson gets up to 6-0. and Excuse me, 6-0. and um, Get a good road win there in Alabama that's going to be a Q1 win most likely for the whole year. Um, and maybe Clemson's a team to, to kind of keep an eye on as we move forward. So, anywho, like I mentioned, um, we got a couple more big ones out of that uh, challenge there. We got Tennessee and North Carolina tonight along with Texas A&M and Virginia um that's a good kind of two piece there and then you got duke at arkansas which you never know i mean arkansas we we all know they can that place can get hop in there at uh was that bud walton arena down there in fayetteville so definitely interested to see that atmosphere they'll be ready to give it to duke um and yeah so that's kind of the the big stuff there we got the the toilet bowl with vanderbilt and boston college uh <laughs> you know, most likely the two bottom teams of their respective conferences there. That might be kind of a fun one for the sickos to watch. Um, anything that you're looking at specifically out of those, kind of the rest of those games there, Graham, on the ACC-SEC? Um, well, I think uh, the ACC-SEC challenges, you know, just in general is a good, you know, mm-hmm. new thing to have. Um, yeah. I'm glad we changed it up as well. Yeah. Um and you know, for you know the future, um, tr- I'm trying to find the list right now. Um, why can't I just had it? Are you looking for the future matchups? Yeah. Let's see if I can find one for you. Um, let's see, uh, ACC, SEC. Okay, I, don't know that I got you. Them. I got it. Um, got it. So uh, Tennessee at North Carolina, we obviously uh, touched on really quickly. That's a great game because. Both teams, um, you know, have taken a loss, but you know, you're still like hoping for, you know, you know the better sides of those teams. Um, and the one game that uh, I think I'm most excited for is Duke at Arkansas. Arkansas has three losses right now, um, and you know, Duke has looked, you know, really solid. But you know that that's the you know the type of game that like you're hoping you know if if Arkansas you know can defend home court against a really good Duke team like that's almost like a we're back kind of kind of deal yeah and absolutely um I think you know Duke has you know you know favored um really well over like the Maui uh, tournament because you know there was a lot of chaos going on and they kind of got to, you know you know, fly under the radar other than the Arizona loss because right. they have some, you know, really crappy games coming up, you know, other than Arkansas, you know, Hofstra, Charlotte, Georgia Tech, Queens. Um, and they do sandwich, you know, a Baylor game in between that. But that Duke-Arkansas uh, game is, I think, is going to be really telling about what how those two teams are going to go up until their conference play. Because if Arkansas gets a win, you know, 
you know, you know, they can steady the course, cruise in, be fine. And if Duke gets a signature win, you know, you're you're looking at a top five team in the country going into ACC play. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think it's going to be a fun one. I think the, I definitely think the, um, the atmosphere is going to be great by far. It's probably going to be one of the best ones tonight uh, to keep an eye on. So, all right, let's move over. Big East, Big 12. Um, this has been a fun one over the last few years. Um, that's kicking off uh, tomorrow night. Yes, uh, tomorrow night. We got Texas Tech and Butler, Creighton and Oklahoma State, Iowa State, DePaul, Houston, Xavier, Connecticut, Kansas, St. John's, West Virginia, TCU, Georgetown, Texas, Marquette. Can't wait for that one. Uh, Providence, Oklahoma, going to be a good one as well. Nova, K-State, uh, and then Seton Hall at Baylor. Um, obviously, outside of the non-Xavier division, um, I think we can go ahead and take out UConn, Kansas, because I think that's an easy answer. What's your favorite matchup in there, Graham? It, in uh, the Big East, Big 12? Um, yeah, non, non-UConn, Kansas, or Houston, Xavier division. <laughs> Um, I would have to say this Providence Oklahoma game is such a big what if. Um, yeah, right. Because if Providence goes into an undefeated Oklahoma, um, and gets a signature win, and you know, you know, nationally televised big game, it right. it gets really scary for Biggies because that's just one more team that looks really solid. Um, for sure. And then on the flip side of things. You know, Oklahoma has been kind of a, you know, bottom dweller. To be fair, they're in a very great conference that, you know, even the bottom dwellers are better than most um, the past few years. Um, Like, they almost made the tournament last year. Like, Yeah, they they, they were, I think they were below 500 in the conference. Yeah, so uh, with Oklahoma, like, I, I said in, you know, the preseason pod that I think, you know, Porter Moser is due. Like, this is one of those, like, Shaka Smart type seasons for him. When Shock was at Texas, was like, you know, if you do really well here, um, you know, you're here to stay. But if you if you don't, you know, perform well, like maybe he's going to take a step down and pursue another coaching venture. But he's looked really good. Right. And if you get a signature win, you, and um, that's going to help their case going into Big Twelve play, where it's just going to be difficult, like like it has been the past few seasons. Um, yeah, absolutely. And another game, you know, to touch on. Um. I really am intrigued by Texas Tech Butler, which is um no, as we're recording this is tomorrow, November thirtieth. Um, yeah. Just because you know Butler's looked you know pretty damn good, and um they're a completely new team, just like Xavier, like not many returners. Um, and Texas Tech with McCaslin, like we've talked about them, like you know the Big Twelve is gonna you know. This is where you kind of get like a good taste about how things are going to shape up before the gauntlet starts. Um, right. And I think, you know, that's just a great matchup because it's both teams trying to prove something. You have know, a new coach in Texas Tech trying to cement themselves at the top of the Big 12, and you have Butler trying to, you know, forget last season's experiment, and you have a completely new team, um, you know, trying to get out of, you know, the basement of the Big 12 uh, or the Big East that they were in last year. Right. No, I agree. I think it's going to be a really, really fun watch. I think a lot of these games are super intriguing. I'm super excited for Texas and Marquette. Obviously, I think Marquette's the better team, uh, but Texas does Texas come out with a little bit of fire in that game uh, with Shaka being there and all that? And then, of course, UConn-Kansas. 
you know, Allen Field Dallas. I mean, what's what's more to be excited for? I think both these teams are at a, are very much at a prove it point of their season. Um, UConn obviously still undefeated Kansas with the one loss. Um, I I just think if UConn goes into Allen Field House and gets a win, I mean, wow, that is a they are a top tier team in the country. Uh, and if Kansas takes care of business, um, and is able to get a win over a really good UConn team, excuse me, um. That's one that you know you definitely look at later and later down the road as a you know a way to go, good job, way to get a win. And then another sneaky one, Creighton, Oklahoma State. I know um, it's not exactly gonna be the highest touted game maybe on the list, but keep an eye. Go going down the road to Oklahoma State can be kind of tough. Um, you know, it's always a always a rocking arena, so definitely keep an eye on that one uh, as we move forward. But um, and that kind of wraps us there for <coughs> excuse me for the general stuff. Um, Graham, it's been a minute since, uh, you and I were, were able to talk, uh, some Xavier hoops early season. Um, they had a good, a, a good couple first matchups, um, kind of taking care of business. And then you go on the road to Purdue, you take an understandable, but competitive loss. And I think the, the Purdue game was a large, largely a positive. And I think a lot of Xavier fans saw it that way as well. Um, and then you go into an MTE with, a bunch of really weird teams. I think Washington seems like they're a lot better than kind of they were initially thought to be. Uh, San Diego State, don't really know what to expect from them. Uh, and then St. Mary's, who was picked to win the WCC this year over Gonzaga, has really struggled out the gate this year. Um, and obviously now that you know Xavier's got the win over them, Xavier fans are, I mean, we are the biggest Gales fans going forward. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so you take care of the, the MTE uh, business, and then you have a, kind of a weird Friday game against a Bryant team who just beat FAU, um, but look like you have no issues there, get a very comfortable win over Bryant, uh, and then you have a little bit of a, a kind of a freak uh, matchup last night. Obviously, you know, great coaching matchup against Oakland, um, or I guess it was two nights ago now, but you had a, you had a great uh, coaching matchup there, um, you know, a lot of experience on the floor. Um, and, and clearly Oakland's a good team. I mean, they, they've given some top tier teams, you know, a run. You said Ohio state and Illinois. Um, I also will mention that they, you know, gave Drake a run for their money as well. So, uh, you know, three quality teams there. Surely you knew, you know, it's probably going to break their way one of these nights. Um, but I think, you know, we talked before, you seem to be more on the side of Xavier shot themselves in the foot on Monday night, as opposed to Oakland went out and got a really good win. Um, so moving forward, you know, we're, we're past all of this. Um, you know, looking ahead to Houston, what are Grant for you? What are the biggest takeaways um, from the, the that we've learned from these first few games, and what are the things that we need to focus on and, and look forward to with Houston? And then, obviously, a very competitive game against a UC team that I think is being heavily underrated this year. Right. Um, now this Houston game is becoming more and more important every day, just because I think your margin of error is slowly, you know, dwindling. Um, last year, you know, the story was, you know, you have such a talented team that needs time to, you know, get used to the system, get used to some of the new pieces that were getting incorporated because much of the team was the same. You know, uh, the only, you know, difference is, is that you had Sule and you, you know, plugged in um, Dez. And now this year, it's a completely different thing where you have so many new players um, that their margin of error is not the same 
as Xavier's was last year. You know, when we dropped a few non-conference games, it was fine because we figured, you know, when you get things rolling going into Big East play, um, you know, you'll be fine uh, because you'll be able to piece things together. But right now, this team that just lost to Oakland, that lost a very bad game to Washington, um, doesn't look like the team that's going to uh, get six road wins in the Big East. Like, that that was just very, very, uh, you know, unheard of. Like, last year, and then you break down the road Big East games that you lost. You lost to a Creighton team on their special uh, breast cancer um, awareness, you know, Memorial Night that's just this rocking atmosphere. That's going to be a tough game to lose, uh, to win. And, and then Marquette, you lost uh, on a last-second shot where Dez did not play. That's an integral part of your starting lineup. Um, and that's, you know, that was a tournament team. That's a team that won both Big East titles, and you lost by two. And then you lost to Butler and DePaul, which you shouldn't have lost to in the first place. Freak accident. Yeah, but, like, this year, it's like, I don't know if you still have that margin for error anymore. Um, Right, and the non-con. Yeah, and, you know, Houston's so damn good that um, maybe it's not do or die. But it's it's almost as like if you lose to Houston, you're going to be in some trouble because uh, I agree. You can make up some ground in the Big East. Like if you get hot and you and you beat UConn and Marquette on the road. Not saying like that's definitively going to happen, but if you do, those are two of the best teams in the country. Like it's not like we're in you know the Southland Conference and we just dropped four games in non-conference and now we're screwed. We have to win the tournament. You know. Right. It's it's just the fact that um, you don't want to be the team that has four or five losses going into conference play, and we're not you know we're still green, we're still getting used to things. You go five hundred, you're gonna miss the tournament. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And so I, I think ahead. so. Looking ahead, you got you got Houston on Friday, UC next week at home, which is good. Both of those, um, and then skip a couple down. Early January, you know, third third game of Big East play. You got at Villanova, and then you got home against UConn, back-to-back. I think of those four, Graham, would you agree with me? I think you need two of those. Uh, out of Houston, UC, Villanova, and UConn? Correct. Yeah, I think at least. Just because least okay. um, it's, going to, it's going to be very difficult. But the, the good thing is, is that this isn't a team that's going to get any worse. Just because yeah. you have so many new players that are learning the system, um, very true, getting used to each other, like that Oakland game, like something that's not being talked about a lot is that, you know, that was their first, you know, really like battle tested game. Like Purdue, you're going in just you're playing, you know, because yeah. that, that's such a talented team. You're on the road against the number two team in the country. And Washington St. Mary's now number one and pretty unanimous. Yeah, and Washington St. Mary's like the you know, neutral site game, kind of a weird environment. But you know that Oakland game, you're playing in front of a packed house and a neck and neck game. Like that's going to be very difficult for players that don't have um, a lot of experience. And yeah. you only have one returning Big East player on your team. Like that's it's it's a tall ask. I will say though. That even though 
um, we didn't play that well. It's very fixable mistakes. You know, like you, um, you missed some, you know, defensive assignments. You, you know, weren't rebounding the ball. You weren't first to the floor. Like very manageable things. Front ends of one on ones. Like I know that for a fact we missed two that I can remember. You go to overtime if you make this. Like it's 78 78. Like I, I know, man, you know, butterfly effect, you know, if you make it, what happens? But the fact right. of the matter is, is like there are things in that game that we did not control. Um, and hopefully that gives you enough edge to go and play Houston on national television on Friday and get a signature win. Because if you beat Houston, the trajectory of your season completely changes because you then have momentum, you know, and you can knock off, you know, the rest of non-conference play. And then, you know, you start big East play knowing that you beat one of the best teams in the country. Um, like you can almost forget about the Oakland game, you know, it's like it completely agree because yeah. it, it not only does it cancel it out, it, it adds some. I mean, Houston's the number one Ken Palm team in the country right now. Yeah. So, well, good good things to look forward to. Um, and and last thing I'll bother you with, who are, let's go with two guys. Um, and I'll give you my two as well. But who are two guys that you're excited to see what you know the future really at Xavier and this season holds from them uh, that maybe aren't be, you know being given as much as much light yeah um, since, since the squad's so new and and you know maybe people aren't as familiar with them i think um m- one of our more consistent players has been davion this year um you know he's averaging seven point um three points per game right now but he's giving you five five and a half assists on one turnover a game um and i think at a team that is struggling right now, you know, to get adjusted and run the system. Um, he's very important because if he's if he's organized and he's setting the table and getting guys ready every possession, um, that will go a long way. Um, and mm-hmm. then um, secondly, um, I think you really need to start getting um, more presence on the interior um, mm-hmm. from Sasha and Abu. Uh, you know okay. their their minutes um, have shown so many great spots where whether it's on offense or defense, um, but that you know that's one of the biggest drop offs from last season is interior presence. It doesn't mean that you know we need Sasha to, you know to turn into Jack Nunji and have twenty four points and ten rebounds. We don't need a boo to you know suddenly have the touch of Zach Freeman and have a triple double like he did last season non conference play. But you right. you need them to just you know. It keeps the defense honest, and I think that they both have the potential, um, not just because of, you know, uh, hypothetically, like, oh, yeah, they can be a lot better. Proven on facts that even in the Oakland game, both of them showed solid minutes at times that looked like they could be big contributors on a contending team in the Big East. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I love this because my two that I'm excited to see more out of are are completely different than yours. So, um First of all, I think. Um, whoops. Um, first of all, I think, and tell me if I'm saying this wrong. Uh, Gitis uh, Namiksha, right? Yeah, perfect. Nemo. Okay, perfect. Cool. Nemo's a yeah. lot easier um, to say. Cool, cool. We'll go with Nemo. Um, I, I'm really excited to see what he brings. I think he brings a lot of versatility to the team, um, both inside and out. Um, I just think he's a really, yeah, I just think he's a really intriguing player. I think he's. You know, maybe not as strong or imposing 
uh, as Fremantle was in the post last year, but I do think he can shoot it a little bit better. I think he's got a little bit more of a you know athletic build to him. Um, so I'm just really excited to see what you know what he can bring, and I think I think he's got a lot of potential on this team and in this Miller you know flow offense. You know, getting the ball moving. You know, getting him downhill. I'm I I think he's got a lot of potential. So I'm excited to see what he brings the rest of the season. And then my other one uh, is Kachi Enze. I and I cannot say it enough. I know he's kind of third in the death chart right now on the on the from the you know in the perspective of the big men. But dude, when he came in in that Purdue game, he gave us everything we needed in defending Zach Eady. And if you can, you know, I know it was only for, I think he played 10 or 12 minutes or something like that. So I know it wasn't for long. I know it wasn't battle tested truly. Um, but if you're showing that potential early, he, he really excites me. He's a, you know, he's listed at six, eight, he's a big six, eight. Um, and I, and so I'm excited to see what he can be. I think he can definitely be a defensive factor at the very least, uh, moving forward. So all right, we're gonna kind of wrap it from there, uh, Graham. Any other any other closing thoughts? Anything anything else going crazy? Uh, no, not really. It, it's just um, you know, this is a very important um, week for Xavier. I mean, not only yeah, do you need to absolutely. bounce back, but you really need to set the tone for the season. Um, I don't think you know it's you know red alert if you lose just because this team is so talented. But um, if you come out here with a win. You know, you have your mojo back, and you are looking under the rest of the season, you know, with open eyes, like, really excited about what's to come. And I, I think that yeah. we have, the, you know, the talent and the ability to uh, really go in and, you know, shock the world and knock off one of the better teams in the country. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Can't can't wait to uh, to see the, you know, Rock and Cintas Center as well through the TV screen, both this Friday and next weekend as well against UC. Um, and then after that, man, just a couple more weeks, I'm going to be back stateside. We're going to keep things rolling over the holiday break. And then we'll finally get to hang out again and start talking hoops, uh, in person again here in, in just over a month. So cannot wait for that. Cannot wait to continue the swing and get into, get into some, you know, late non-con and early conference season play here through the holidays. So, uh, Graham, thanks again for joining me as always myself, Evan show alongside Graham Griffith. This is the Norwood noise Wednesday, November 29th. We're going to wrap this up and get this posted for you today so you got some content going into the weekend. Um, hope you all had a great Thanksgiving holiday um, and hope everything is well as we move towards the, hol- the, the holiday season here in late December and early January. So thank you all again for listening as always, and we'll catch you again next time next week on the Norwood Noise Podcast. Cheers.